here at the National Hispanic Institute headquarters in Maxwell, Texas. With my, um, this is Julio Cotto. I'm joined by with my colleague Carla Martinez and president and founder of the National Hispanic Institute, Ernesto Nieto. We're here on the eve of your birthday, Ernesto. Uh, tomorrow you turn a big 76. And if my memory serves me correctly, you started this organization when you turned 39. So NHI at 39 versus NHI at soon to be 76. Tell us about that journey. Well, the journey really goes back, Julio, many years before. Uh, just growing up in a family of engaged parents uh, in Magnolia, a neighborhood in Houston, um, having that enjoyment of watching lives change, watching a parks and rec recreation approach to community development. Uh, I didn't know that. All I was was a person that was part of the experience. I was doing what my parents would ask me to do. Also, going back uh, while in college, after college, um, my exposure to community uh, was, was not accidental. It, it took, took place for many years, and I had the good fortune of listening to a lot of conversations about that community and other communities where my parents worked, and coming to my own conclusions and asking my own questions. I became a little more politicized during the 1960s when uh, I begin to witness in a much closer in a much closer way the whole impact of racial discrimination and felt very moved, uh, very concerned, very alarmed for what I was witnessing uh, in, in a community like Houston and deciding to join uh, people there uh, to be part of the civil rights movement and and created helped create an organization called the United Information Organization that was designed to keep the community advised of changes in policy that were going to affect their lives, whether from the city, the county, schools, or funded entities. And so uh, I've had an awareness all these years growing up, and then, of course, joining the anti-poverty programs of then-President LBJ uh, and traveling in a five-state region and seeing poverty in Oklahoma and Indian reservations and seeing white poverty in the northern regions of Arkansas or black poverty in East Texas and Louisiana, and seeing Mexican or Latino poverty in New Mexico and South Texas and places like that. It was more of a witness experience of policy and of being in conversations and understanding and being angry and frustrated with conditions that, that eventually I end up working in state government thinking that the higher I could go within the structures of government, the more impact I could have in the distribution of not only uh, funding and money and things of that nature, but that I could have an influence on policy. Much to my surprise, um, some of those things or some of those observations were correct, mostly were wrong. And I think in the end, it drove me to go back, review, by this time I'm 38, 39 years old, that maybe the civil rights movement was important. Maybe other movements were important, but maybe that was not necessarily going to be the endearing journey that the Latino community needed. Uh, more you, of us. You use the word enduring. Why? Well, what about the civil rights movement or that time did you feel would not be enduring? There are a lot of reasons why people get together and either march or have public outcries of discrimination or grievances of different sorts. 
um, the one common thing, whether it's politics, one in representation on the school board, one in representation on the city council, the city, uh, county government, uh, whatever, at a local level or even at a national level, the distribution of public resources uh, certainly caused arguments, the extent to which those resources came to Latinos or didn't come to Latinos. I mean, all of those things and all those outcries were driven by a whole, a whole philosophy of what we call uh, social advocacy and reform. People organized around issues. There were key issues that had an emotional attachment to their, that alarmed them and that ignited their engagement and that ignited their interest. But what we began to find out is that they were not sustainable. From the moment that an issue was settled or an issue went away, so did the participation. Uh, and so it became to me quite clear that while it was an important possibility and an, an important strategy for community change, it could not have long-term sustainable impact. And so seeing that, recognizing that, and watching the work of my parents and watching the work of other kinds of philosophies and concepts and constructs in the community drove me to search for a different approach, a different modality, a different construct, and a different concept. Today, we call that community social entrepreneurship. And to me, it kind of equates to self-enterprising communities. And we can get into the details about what that means, but it is something that's uniquely born out of the National Hispanic Institute. This is not something that we're going to see in books. And what is it that makes papers. it unique? The fact that, that what models have been there in the past or currently are, are models that we have written about and read about and been lectured on for those who want to know more about strategies and concepts for community change. An example is social advocacy and reform. Uh, the whole idea of Sololinsky, the whole idea of agitation politics, the idea of, of alarming people about what was going on in their lives and making those emotions uh, become uh, the, the driving energy, the driving force that organized people into pressure groups, into vocal groups, and that caused marches and things of that nature and claims of unfairness. I mean, an, another very good example was José Ángel Gutiérrez and the whole idea of La Razonida. Uh, social advocacy and reform. Important? Absolutely. Willie Velasquez, who here recently, there was a whole PBS movie on it, on su voto y su, 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 voto y su poder. It's true, but it's still at the bottom an advocacy and reform. It's an intent for inclusion. It is an intent to participate in the American experience. It, it alarms people. It is, it is something that people are reminded if they don't, if they don't express that right, that privilege, if they don't respond to a particular social or community need, it's almost like the devil will eat them, and people out of their concern for an existing condition do mobilize. The issue is, is it sustainable? And I immediately make that comparison. No Latino Chicano movement has gone beyond five, eight, ten years if we're lucky. Whatever we read about took place in a very specific time and era in our country. Whatever the, the, the uh, newspapers say, whatever people write in books, it took time, it took place at a particular time and place in American history or Latino history 
that was finite and then it dissolved. So coming out of this background with your experience with that movement and your previous experience with your parents, what and, and, and just discerning and siphoning all of this information for yourself in starting the National Hispanic Institute, what is its most basic intent, NHI? The most basic message of this movement called CSE, Self-Directed Enterprise in Communities, is sustainability. It is, it, is a, it is a concept that demands the investment, the investor, to invest time, energy, and skill to get a benefit out of their investment. It is not, it is not something that people do taken to the government and asking the government to fund it, uh, and therefore being dependent upon government or private sector funding to sustain the effort. It is not presenting a problem of a society of, that is of a societal uh, scope or dimension that's a crisis, uh, such as hunger, for example, uh, or disease, or things of that nature that are alarming to our health condition in our society, but require government intervention, government funding to sustain. And it is also not what is popularly being done today called social entrepreneurship, a, 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 a process of engaging corporations to use and to think about being good corporate res responsibly, responsible corporate citizens and, and utilize their resources for social reasons uh, beyond just making money. It is not that as well because even there, uh, there is still a dependency on a corporation or a foundation to sustain it with its capital and with its resources. In our concept, community social entrepreneurship, all of the energy, all of the skill, all of the involvement comes from the very people who are going to benefit from their own involvement and engagement. And in that context, it is very different and there is a science and there is a process and there are things to be learned in, in, in this effort. For example, at the National Hispanic Institute, when we talk about leadership at the high school level, we literally get into competency-based training. Our three major high school initiatives are all competency and skill-driven training. At the freshman level, kids engage the whole idea and concept of the importance of communication. And they're trained to be effective communicators. And we have games for them through which they not only adopt the skill, grab onto the skill, incorporate the skill, but more importantly, they become proficient at it. They become competent in the use of language and the use of ideas and abstract thought and proposing ideas and defending ideas. That's the whole nature of the great debate program of the National Hispanic Institute. The sophomore high school program is very different because here what we're doing with young men and women is introducing them to the whole protocol and dynamics of organizational development, uh, organizational establishment, protocols, procedures, processes, and we also do it in a game-like fashion. There are no lectures, as you know. But students are learning something very, very important, how to manage social systems. A lot of Latino kids, and most kids in general, have no idea what it means to manage and maneuver and navigate themselves within organized social systems. 
So that's very critical to the learning piece of the National Hispanic Institute for high school sophomores. What happens when we reach being juniors and seniors? We have selected and we have chosen for ourselves that another experience that's crucial to the development of these young minds is for them to become very analytical and to have processes that they go through to, to look at matters and issues in a critical fashion through a critical questioning process that allows them to use data, that allows them to use examples, that allows them to evaluate and, and to infer meaning and to eventually draw conclusions and come to act on a plan. Those are very, very essential skills to develop in future leaders. This is not about having a conference and having someone get up who is known and drawing the press there and telling kids, you can be just like me, or, or, or having a photo op with someone in, in the public domain. We are a leadership teaching organization. We are the only Latino leadership teaching organization in this country. Did you know this at 39? Did I what now? Did you know this at 39? At 39, did you know that this is exactly where you're heading and these are the concepts you were forming? At 39, Julio, I was driven by the concern for a real and apparent decline in leadership in our community. What do you mean and how do you define that? I mean, what what was some of the symbols or indicators of that decline? The emotional demands, the physical demands, the intellectual demands of the civil rights era were tremendous. People left jobs to join El Movimiento. Uh, People spent countless hours in meetings and strategies and marches and going to public meetings and airing grievances and things of that nature. Some lost their jobs. Some lost their families. When Nixon came in and and became the president, he dismantled all anti-poverty programs in this country. And with that, he also dismantled and short-circuited the funding that used to be there at grassroots levels that grew the leaders that were emerging and developing, not only in the Latino community, the black community, and other communities. Finding themselves without funding, finding themselves essentially without jobs, caused a decline in the movement. It had a very negative, adverse impact on the Latino community. At 39, because of where I had been in executive role in state government and in federal government, it was very obvious to me that we were going to suffer a letdown in leadership. We were already thin. We already had a critically thin layer. Now came this blow. So at 39, I knew instinctually, not necessarily intellectually, that what we needed was a means of replacing and rebuilding that core of leadership that the Latino community was going to need in the future. I didn't know at the time how we were going to do that or who we were going to attract and how we were going to organize and sustain these efforts. NHI has been a long-term conversation, constantly evolving, constantly reimagining, constantly reinventing because we've had to be our own social engineers. There is no book that we can go to. There is no Harvard or MIT or 
University of Chicago, University of Boston University, or Southwestern or UT, that we can go to for that. We had to devise our own system. Out of those conversations came the whole idea of third reality. The third reality, not to look at life in a kind of a two-dimensional means, but to begin to see ourselves in a third dimension, things that were not apparent to us, and to begin to play with the idea of how do we direct and manage our own lives? How do we galvanize our own resources and our own skills to achieve common goals and common objectives? How do we do that without dependency on government or corporations? How do we generate wealth among ourselves? How do we do that? That was the whole concept of third reality, so that we weren't doing it in a, in a way that we've done it before. Dependency on government, dependency on corporations, dependency on foundations, dependency on other people. Being the crippled child in the family with special needs, that imagery, as far as I was concerned, had to stop. And now for a quick break. The National Hispanic Institute is an organization with a 37-year history of working to change the social narratives of our young Latinas and Latinos to help them envision a new America, a new Latino community, a new direction, and a different kind of culture. We want our young people to be inspired by who they are and see the asset value of our culture and these 800 million people in this vast amount of land that starts all the way in Canada and goes all the way to the tip of Argentina. Our hope for an alum is that, A, that they have the mindset of giving back to their community, that they want to help, they want to contribute, and B, is that they realize this throughout their entire lives and make leadership part of their overall journey throughout their whole life. The National Hispanic Institute has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. It has literally educated and re-educated an entire generation or two now of young Latinos and their allies around the country, around the world, to think about our community and think about our role in the community as being change agents and ultimately in advancing the cause and the needs of our community. Personally, the National Hispanic Institute has helped me reach goals and do things that I didn't think I was gonna be able to do before. And so what we did was create these learning experiences where young people could learn to be in charge of things. We just encourage people to go way beyond a career in life. We wanna see them have a community calling. NHI is a place where I come and I have to learn how do I pass on values. And then the benefit of that self-belief that it's possible, things are possible for all of us and that we can contribute to the success of others. We look at the richness of our community, at its value, at its capacities, and we go from that point forward. We don't want our young people to look at themselves and their communities and look down. We want them to look up and be inspired. Now back to the conversation. Looking back, are there things that you know or, or that you believe that you were wrong about? I was wrong, I believe, to believe that people would have a natural inclination for it. I am always amazed when we have youth programs, and you've been with us, and Carla, you've been there as well, 
that when you read the proposals of children at the policy of the LDZ, at the policy training that they get, it's invariably an appeal to someone for help. It's invariably very, as we call it in this organization, very second reality. It is very few proposals are ever submitted that are self-directed, self-enterprising. And very few of those, it's either a service, and this is the kick I get out of college fraternities and sororities. They're so service-driven, which is another concept of community engagement, that you see a need in the community, you recognize that need, and you organize your members or members of sorts to create a project to address that need, whether it's tutoring, whether it's food, whether it's pantry programs, whatever it may be. And colleges and universities call that servant leadership. And we buy into that. The issue is that it's not sustainable because that may be a volunteer uh, a program of sorts at a university level. And the moment those students leave, so does the service. And it shuts down. The same thing happens, uh, as I was telling you earlier, in social advocacy and social reform. It is... It is at the height of the battle, there's a lot of engagement. And as soon as there are, there are improvements made, it dissipates on its own. So it's not sustainable. And so to answer the question is that I already knew that we needed a different construct and a different concept. What I didn't know, to tell you the second thing that I didn't know, that it was going to take that long to construct, that it was going to take that long to evolve countless conversations. How long did you think it was going to take? I can't answer that. I, I don't have that kind of insight. I think that it was going to be um, maybe a year, two years. Oh, wow. And it turns out to be a 10-year conversation. It turns out to be a 15-year conversation. And a lot of testing, a lot of experimentation, a lot of reinventing, a lot of adaptations, a lot of redefinitions and so poor kids that went through those eras uh, this year we would do it this way and next year we would do it this other way and next year we might do it even in another way the perp the point is is that even our training faculty that was developing and evolving were constantly complaining when are we going to have something that we can rely on that's stable and the answer was not yet you had mentioned in your comments about the civil rights movement that there were certain emotional demands of the leadership, that there were demands of leadership during that era. And given that you've already explained several different models, what are the demands of leadership in the NHI model? I would say that clearly the, uh, the, uh, the difference is that our model requires thinkers. This is not people who are willing to invest considerable amount of intellectual currency into the process and who are able to, to minutely take apart concepts, subconcepts, and try to arrive at different conclusions and put those conclusions to test, to validate, to determine whether whatever hypothesis is being laid on the table is provable 
and and that's one of the demands. The other one is the is the is the stamina required, emotions required, the energy required to to pursue an alternative, and to be doing it, performing a task, a concept, while similarly evaluating whether or not it works, its effectiveness, and being honest enough with yourself on whether it requires change or maybe complete abandonment at times. Give you an example. At one time in an LDZ, we decided to establish a corporate model. I forget what, it might have been 1990 at Southwestern. And it was very evident from the moment we stepped into the training area to the time we left, that that model was dead on arrival, that it was not going to work. An entire year was wasted on that. And yet, that was the only way we were going to learn. So in answer to your question, that's the second requirement. The third requirement to me is, is having a consciousness of your intent. Uh, these things cannot be done instinctually. You have to intellectually know why you're doing something, to what extent, to what end, and what expectations you, you want as a result so that you can quantify and qualify and evaluate. NHI is an organization that's constantly evaluating its work. A question that I think a lot of people want to hear answered or, or always wonder is, outside of the summer leadership series, our programs, outside of what I, I think is like the gas that drives the National Hispanic Institute as an institution, what is the National Hispanic Institute outside of the programs, the leadership programs that we put on? That's a good question. The National Hispanic Institute is an organization that dedicates itself to leaders, to providing the Latino community with its future leaders through constructs and concepts of community social entrepreneurship that create self-directed, self-enterprising communities. Now that's a long sentence right there. And and what and as you as you kind of unpack that, there's a lot of organizations out there that say that they talk or train leaders or that education is builds leaders or that college builds leaders or that having a good job makes you a leader uh, within the Latino community. And it seems that NHI seems to, or you personally seem to have, that we have a very different notion or that you have a different notion of, A, what leadership is for the Latino community and B, what kind of leadership it actually requires in the future. Well, at the expense of a sound and controversial, I think education makes good workers. And and uh, whether you go to Harvard or whether you go to you know, Stanford or whether you go wherever you go, I think that um, uh, our, our higher education community is in trouble. I think that we respond to the needs of industry, which is important. Uh, and there are jobs out there to be had, and those jobs are not for everyone, uh, even though the impression is that if you get a degree, uh, you have a job waiting for you. We all know that that's not true. But at the end of the day, um, uh, colleges and universities put out work units. Uh, they don't put out young people who are trained to engage themselves in the community. Um, if it did, we'd see a lot more social movement going on in this country. We don't see it. I mean, uh, well, I think there are movements. I think, again, in the Latino community, you, you don't really see one. I mean, what, what is it that everybody's missing? 
Um, we have more Latinos in college. We have more Latinos going to college, more Latinos graduating, more Latino lawyers, more, La more Latino everything. Yet it seems that um, the engagement factor or the community leadership factor hasn't really had much uh, advancement. Well, that's exactly what I said. I said that colleges and universities do not train people who become engaged in the community. Uh, they become work units. They, they are credentialized individuals. Their importance is where they go to school, what did they major in, what kind of jobs they have, what part of the town, what's your zip code. It's social importance that they kind of measure their success and progress by. I think those are neat things. We didn't have enough of them. Uh, we're getting more of them, as you say. Uh, I think that there is a, 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 real, a real separation between the haves of the Latino community and the have-nots in the Latino community. I think we have larger communities without, without resources. Uh, I think with immigration, uh, we have uh, much sizable communities without full access to opportunity. And I think those are issues that are going to hit us in the face over the next 20 years. The, the thing that frustrates me the most is that we don't have the kind of uh, knowledgeable, knowledge leaders that understand these concepts. We think that it's all about inclusion and representation. So we want to be the first two, first on the school board, or the first to do that and the first to do this. Important. Uh, do I scoff at it? No. But that's not the end game. The end game is, a no is building a knowledge community. How do we do that? And I would, I would argue with any current or former leader, in what manner have we developed a knowledge community? And the answer to me would be, we, we've, been, we've spent too much time being at the head of movements, being uh, confronting issues in our community to build a knowledge community. A knowledge community in the Latino community and in various communities of Latin America do not exist. And therein is where NHI wants to play a role. We want to help build, develop sustainable, self-directing, enterprising communities that are knowledge-driven. That kind of knowledge of community, that knowledge of involvement, that knowledge of engagement, that knowledge of idea creation, of an idea invention, and for them to get excited about their own creations and pursue them to their completion. If I were to fly off into the future right now, I would be satisfied that, I was sharing this with my wife Claudia this morning, that we've not been the headliners in newspapers or talk shows. We've not appeared in magazines and books. We've not had movies done about our work. The security of our mission as an organization is that we have engaged nearly 90,000 young men and women in, in the whole broad aspect of leadership development, helping them recognize their leadership potential and helping them at least come to some form of conclusion about the value they represent to the future of the communities in the, Lat the future Latino community, wherever they may live and however they may wish to express that. Every time I come around this corner called FM 1966 where the Institute is located in Maxwell, I'm very proud of the land, the 46 acres we own, the the buildings that are on it, the beautiful trees, the park-like rural scene that, we're, that we, we seem to enjoy, the fact that we can walk outside and think, 
and stare off into the distance and envision. We need those moments for reflection and analysis. We need the quietness to think and invent. If I've helped create that, I'm very satisfied with that. If I've been able to introduce a concept that's going to outlive me and outlive you and outlive Carla and outlive everyone, and that we're going to see its students 100 years from now dealing with those concepts and building new societies and new communities because they get it. We're about to hold the 14th year of Celebración, which is our annual showcase event where we bring kids from all over the United States and Latin America. We only had 90 kids 37 years ago in Austin, Texas. November 10th through the 13th, we're going to have 550 kids from many states in this country and from at least three, maybe four Latin American countries. There is no organization of youth in this country that can compare that. I'm not saying that to say, you know, we're the, we're the best car in, car in the car rental business. We're better than, I would never suggest that. I'm saying it's been done by kids. It's been done by young people. NHI has been built by young minds. It has not been built by me. And I've always recognized that. Have I had to break up quarrels at times and kick somebody's butt that wasn't doing their job? Yes. Will I continue doing it? Absolutely. But NHI is the creation. Just today, I was asking Zach, one of our colleagues, where do we go in the West, Zach, and why? Do we stay in Florida? Do we go into Atlanta, Georgia? Is our next step Mexico? Do we go into Colombia? Are we, are we going to track into Argentina? We have a global mission now. That's amazing to me. An organization that to this day, federal funding represents such an insignificant about less than one half of 1%. Virtually no corporate funding, the same thing, less than 1% in our 37 year history. All the resources have come from the pockets of families who believe in this vision and the alums who support it, including our board of directors. Including, that to me is something to be very thankful for and very emotional about. So when I think about my time here, that's what I think about and realizing that this has never been merely my effort. In, in your statements right now, it sounds like what you're saying is that the most powerful asset that NHI has is this brain trust of, of knowledge and leaders that are engaging in it. And I, the question that I wanted to ask is, what do you want that brain trust to accomplish in the future? I was sharing that conversation, and that includes that question with Gloria this morning over coffee. We get up every morning around 6 o'clock and have coffee and have arguments and argue that we have for 30 some odd years. Um, I want, if our job is to, is to develop this knowledge of community social entrepreneurship, this self-enterprising concept, meaning if it's meant to be, it's up to me. If I want something done in my life and in my community, don't look to other people, only look at yourself and those who are willing to join you in an effort. 
But enthusiasm alone, Carla, does not get the job done. It's in understanding concepts. And it's in getting these concepts down, these constructs, knowing what it means, what self-enterprising means in action, what community social example. We own this land. We are the owners of our own mission. There is no higher authority here at the National except us. And we have partners in this process called board members and young constituents all over, the, all over the United States and Latin America. We are the corporate body of our own direction and our own vision. But it's driven by a concept that is not social, that, that, is, that we call uh, community social entrepreneurship, and it is not driven by any other concept such as social uh, entrepreneurship or social advocacy or service-driven models. So understanding the concept is vital for them to learn. So that's the answer to your question. We want to embed those concepts in these young minds so that when they go out on their own, whether they live in Pennsylvania or Chicago or they live in Washington State or L.A. or wherever they may reside, Monterrey, Mexico, or Torreón, that they know how to organize through that concept so that it does become sustainable. NHI has 37 years of self-sustainability. Knowing that concept and putting that concept to work is what's given us that, that sustainability. All other organizations will go by the wayside when their funding ends. And they struggle for the funding. And that's what, that's what gets in their way. Do they do good work? Absolutely. I have all the respect in the world for the work of other people, but I also understand why they shut their doors. We had uh, started this conversation talking about your upcoming birthday, um, turning 76. I, I myself just had a birthday. What is some advice you have for the younger generations that maybe will work with this year, but that also may start to see themselves as future Latino leaders at 1920? Uh, years old, um, what do you say to them about, not so necessarily about NHI or leadership, but just about life, about this journey? Uh, you know, I, I just turned 36, and I feel like I have a pretty good scope of life, but I know that I'm, I'm just getting started, and that's hard to understand uh, sometimes. What, what would you say? Be driven by big visions. Um, be completely unafraid of vision. Make your vision as big as you want to make it. Realize that whatever you do, you have to have blind dedication to that vision. Progress is not driven by part-time work. You have to make a decision for a lifetime. I remember telling my children when I first started NHI, I got them together in a little meeting, divorced. We didn't have any money at all, to be honest about it. And I said, Dad's going to create this organization and uh, don't expect a whole lot for Christmas and a whole lot of Christmases. Just don't expect it. It's not going to come. I told Gloria that it was going to take at least 20 years for us to find our direction. And I was right. So... Not, don't expect immediate results from what you do and what you invest in. 
But don't back off the responsibility either. If don't operate on a black and white, it works, it doesn't work. Always know that everything you do requires reimagining, reinvention, restartups, as many as you have to, and with each one knowing that it's going to be better the next time and that you will make mistakes and it's okay and laugh at your mistakes. I poke a lot of fun at my stupidities. There are a lot of things I've done for NHI with good intentions that just didn't work, but it didn't stop me. A friend of mine, Willie Salinas, used to say, Tienes que estar ciego, nieto. Ciego a lo, que, a lo que otros dicen. I really believe that. If I had a nickel for every criticism that's been directed towards this organization, I'd be a wealthy man. Don't worry about the opposition. Accept it. It's going to come. Your opponents one of these days are going to say, Ah, nieto, le hiciste. And you're going to laugh. Uh, I had a friend of mine one day say, but you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Never in my life was I ever born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I don't mind silver spoons, by the way, but I wasn't born with one in my mouth. Uh, at least a final or somewhat final question I was thinking about, uh, hearing you in particular when you talked about your children, um, and you talk a lot more these days about your grandchildren. You know, you've been at this organization since 79 you founded it you started it you're still at the helm um still still writing still working with students what are some of the values that you want to make sure get left behind not only with the organization but maybe also with your family or even just the country i mean we're in a contested election there's a lot of uh, intense rhetoric uh the state is changing uh the meaning of the word latino i mean there's a lot of things evolving and i'm sure you've seen the societal evolutions for a while now but what are some values that you hope that uh, america the country gets to hopefully preserves and and strengthens but also the organization in your family you know one of the things that my father used to remind me is that i was equipped by god by this with the same capacity brain power as any other human on this planet unless there was something cerebrally wrong with me. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that I'm just as smart as anyone else, that I can be smarter if I dedicate the time to educating myself. Education, educating myself does not necessarily mean going to college. Educating myself meaning paying attention to my development. I have this little conversation with my twin granddaughters the other day, and I said, in two more years, you're out of high school. And Bella says, stop it, Grandpa, because she doesn't want to think in those terms. And I said, well, Bella, in two more years, you're going to drive by the school, and you're going to be an alumnus. And, and Paulina says, I can't wait. She wants to travel. And I said, well, how are you going to travel if you don't have money? The point is this. I want them to find themselves dedicated to their personal excellence. That's a value that I want them to embrace. That whatever they do is when you invest in yourself through reading, through engagement, through conversation, you're always going to sharpen your intellectual wherewithal. When you are able to do things with your life, whether you're going to a meeting, supporting a cause, getting involved in things, you're going to learn something about yourself that advances your self-awareness and advances your values and your self-understanding of who you are. College 
School doesn't, doesn't provide you everything. It provides you with some basic tools for life. But it doesn't guide your life. I've learned through all these years that being dedicated and blind to outside influence to this work has been basic to whatever few accomplishments I've gotten to. It's knowing that if I had to come mow a field, get in the car, drive over here, and do it. If I had to paint a wall, if I had to take varnish off a wall, if I had to give a speech, I gave them all the same importance. Never did I back off from the job. Never did I run away from the responsibility. And knowing that at times we were going to have difficult times financially, difficult times mobilizing communities, uh, difficult times with staff, knowing all those things is just part of the responsibility and the responsibilities that come with trying to get something done that you want to leave behind for others. I really hope that NHI becomes, and you guys are going to take it to the next level, I hope, that it's going to become one of the most important teaching institutions in this country. But I hope it's not going to be the, the kind that gives people formulas for success. I hope it's going to be the kind that engages young people in finding their capacities and searching their, for their talents and welding together their energies and experimenting with ideas that they fashion and that they want to pursue. So I hope it becomes an institution that supports creativity and imagination and inventiveness, not memorization of books and research studies. Um, to, to close out, or at least for my part, um, in the future, when the future leaders of the National Hispanic Institute are looking for guidance as to where to take the organization or what the new development in NHI should be, a, a direction, anything like that, where do you think they should look in order to to guide themselves in, in making this institution better and greater than it has ever been? In their hearts, um, in their goodness, um, in their humility. Um, I was exercising today at the hospital, and um, I am so humble. I was, she, she asked me, this lady named Shelly, so why do you give yourself a birthday? And I said, I don't give myself a birthday. I want to invite friends to share in my happiness. I do it out of humility. I don't expect gifts. I don't want gifts. That's not even the point. Um, I just want to be with people and laugh and imagine and have serious conversation and enjoy relationships, knowing that life on this planet is temporary. And um, uh, I'm getting to that point where it becomes more temporary. And uh, uh, other people are just starting. So where do the future leaders of this organization take it? I have no idea. I hope a much more explicit understanding of community social entrepreneurship, a much more explicit understanding of what it means to, to, to organize self-enterprise in communities and the dynamics of that and the policies and strategies and tactics associated with how to create multiple self-enterprise in NHI communities all over the United States and Latin America. I hope that that, that part is going to be fun uh, and, and that they're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that and how to sustain it and, and, and how to make it work and how to engage 
I, um, I hope that they can stand back from that, and it's going to take many years. I hope they can stand back and see not what they created, but what people created. And, and, and to be honest about it is to realize that, that just like me, leaving NHI eventually, someone is going to take over. Someone is going to lead it. It won't be me. I hope that they learn lessons from me, just like I learned lessons from my parents. Probably the most influential people in my life ever, bar none, bar anything I've read, bar any degree that I received. My parents were the ones that understood community social entrepreneurship more than anyone I ever met. So I hope that they look to their hearts and to their sincerity and to their humility to knowing that the world is too big for one person to make a difference, but the world really waits for collaborators for people that want to join hands and envision and invent and own their dreams. We look forward to celebrating tomorrow and this weekend, uh, not only this work, but your life. And uh, we'll continue having more conversations like this in the near future. Thank you, Carla. Platicas was recorded and produced at the National Hispanic Institute in Maxwell, Texas. For more information on the National Hispanic Institute, visit www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org. Music by Andres Cotto. Follow us on social media, NHIHQ at Facebook, Twitter at NHI underscore news, Instagram at NHI underscore news. 